You ever feel like managing blood sugars is just a never-ending sequence of problems? Like you solve one problem and it just creates a new problem. And you solve that problem and there's another problem, maybe five more problems. Well, in today's episode, I want to talk about the three, technically four steps to fix blood sugars for good and how you can do that if you're living with type 1 diabetes like myself or type 2 pre-diabetes gestational. It applies across the board and this powerful technique is going to show you how you can make this a reality in your own life through a ridiculous story of a week that I had <laughs> that led me into an epiphany that I hope you'll find helpful. So whether you're sticking around for the ridiculous comedy or of course the actual lessons, I'm excited to have you here. Let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. We moved into our house just over a year ago, uh, well, almost a year and a half, technically. And uh, over that process, it's been a learning curve for home ownership. Uh, one of them being, there's nobody you can call at the front office, like an apartment building, to just take care of things. <laughs> and so we've had to deal with uh, all of our own problems, which is great. You know, I'm all for taking responsibility, but it's a learning lesson. And one of those big lessons was that the area that we bought a house in has a lot of spiders. Uh, it's actually known for having black widow population being kind of large. So that has been an issue because we have uh, an almost two-year-old and obviously you want to keep her safe. And so we can't have her running around outside unsupervised if there's black widows out there to look out for. So we ended up hiring uh, a service to come through and get rid of the webs and spray around our property to encourage spiders to seek shelter elsewhere, <laughs> to say it nicely. Uh, and they're, uh, you know, very kind alternative as opposed to just poisoning spiders. It actually is a scent that deters the spiders. So I felt good about that too. Uh, my conscience is clear, right? But what we noticed actually a week ago, we had them come through again. This is their third time spraying to really just say, don't go near this house, right? Uh, the spiders have essentially disappeared. We went from having an enormous amount of webs and spiders, and it's just ridiculous, to next to nothing. So it worked, and we're really pumped about that. We solved that problem. But what happens when you solve a problem is that typically there's another problem that takes its place, especially in the animal kingdom. <laughs> so we got a, a relatively unwanted surprise this last week when our house was surrounded by crickets. And at first we thought it was a plague. We couldn't figure it out, but then we realized we took out the part of the food chain that was keeping our house safe from crickets, right? And now that there are no spiders, the crickets are overrunning our property. <laughs> and it got so bad uh, that they actually started getting inside. And I almost didn't want to share this part of the story because for me, it's absolutely disgusting. But for the sake of transparency, there you go. Uh, crickets actually found their way through our front door into our entryway. Now, thankfully, we caught them there and we held our forces, right? Uh, they didn't get into the bedrooms, the kitchen, or the bathroom, or living room, anything else. It was thankfully localized to just the entryway, but 
in a single day, I'm going to break this down for you. Before lunch, I had killed 13 crickets in our entryway. By the end of that day, I had killed 25 crickets in the entryway to my house. That is disgusting to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm grateful to have crickets and not like snakes or something crazy like I hear people talking about elsewhere, but even still, any bugs in the house, I don't like it. So uh, we're trying to figure out what the new solution is, right? And because we solved the spider problem, now we have the cricket problem. Now to solve the cricket problem, we have to put our thinking caps on. Ultimately realized if we just seal the house really well, they can't get in, right? So the front door, there's a couple spaces that are uneven and yeah, I could get a whole new front door or like what I ended up doing is just purchasing some weather stripping and really making sure all the cracks were covered. Uh, and I'm happy to report the next day, fixed, right? Now, I'm sure that's gonna cause something else. Maybe the crickets are gonna build up an army outside and <laughs> wait for us in the car, I don't know. But problems typically beget problems when they are solved, right? And not to say that problems are a bad thing, especially with what I'm about to get into with blood sugars, but uh, a lot of times we see problems as a bad sign, when the reality is that problems, also known as challenges, give us the opportunity to make progress towards our end goal, right? So uh, if you think about it like this, if there are no challenges at all, you're just coasting through life, how will you measure progress? Right? If you think about, let's say, a weight loss goal, uh, if somebody has zero challenges, they have no opportunity to challenge their waistline, to challenge their muscle tissue. So if you go to the gym and nothing is hard, your heart rate doesn't rise, you're not going to reap the benefits of that workout. In fact, I would argue it's not a workout. You're probably sitting on one of the machines and texting, <laughs> right? So in order to make progress, we have to be faced with and overcome our challenges. So the fact that solving a problem typically creates a new problem is actually a good thing, which is where I want to get into with the blood sugars. So if you look at your blood sugars, and we've done this hundreds, if not thousands of times with clients and people that we help uh, to fix their blood sugars, is that there's a consistent framework that you can follow from a, a large picture, right? If you zoom out, here are the three slash four steps I add in the fourth to kind of give you a bonus to fix blood sugars. And ultimately that is the goal, right? To solve so many of the problems in a row with blood sugars that they cease to be part of the problem. Instead, you create new problems. Like my blood sugars are so well controlled, I don't have any excuses to say no to my family dinners that I don't want to go to. I can no longer uh, claim it as a disability. Darn, I'm a fully functional human being again because blood sugars are fixed. So yes, it creates a new problem, but we don't want blood sugars to consistently be the problem. So let's fix our blood sugars. If you're looking for a deeper dive into this framework where we actually guarantee that you fix your blood sugars, we can get people to 90% time and range consistently, it's part of the guarantee, go to fixmybloodsugars.com. I promise you're gonna love it. Uh, it's a five day challenge where we teach you everything you need to know in five days to get your first or next 90% uh, 
time and range. It's fantastic. Uh, we'll drop that in the description so you can check it out after you finish watching this. The four steps I want to cover with you before we wrap up today. So step number one, if you're wearing a CGM like I am, a continuous glucose monitor, your first goal needs to be to increase the time in range that you see in your reports. If you don't know what that is, it's the measurement between 70 and 180. Okay. And that's the measurements that I use. If you're using millimoles, it's slightly different, but essentially to increase the time you spend in a relatively healthy blood sugar. Now, if your A1C is completely off the charts and it's too high anyways, then focusing on time and range will inevitably also help your A1C. But that's not the first priority. Step one, problem number one, is gonna to be to solve your time and range problem. Okay, once you've solved your time and range, the second step is to lower your average. Because technically speaking, you could hang out at 170 milligrams per deciliter all day long and technically be in range 100%. So it looks good on paper, but technically it's not healthy, right? So that's where we want to lower the average, AKA your A1C. So step two, lower the average. It's also known as lowering your A1C, all right? So step one, increase time and range. Step two, decrease your average blood sugar or A1C. Step three though, if you're hanging out in the lower blood sugars, you are technically more at risk on paper for low blood sugars or hypoglycemia, right? If you're hanging out at 75 all the time, well, that means you're six points away from being considered low. <laughs> and so it's gonna be more likely that you dip into the lows more often unless you can build your frameworks, your formulas to keep you stable at that lower average while you're spending time in range. So step number three is to reduce the volatility and variability of your blood sugars, which can be measure, measured as your standard deviation. So step one, increase the time spent in range so that you're staying between 70 and 180 as much as possible. Step number two, lower the average so that your A1C also reflects your hard work. Step number three, keep it stable. Reduce your standard deviation, right? This is gonna help you to stay stable, steady, which gives you peace of mind and opens up step number four, which is quality of life. And of course, these are the things that we teach in that challenge. How do you get diabetes so well controlled that it's no longer part of the list of problems? Now you have new problems like, well, what's the favorite food that I want to try today because I know how to take insulin for that uh, pizza or burrito or whatever your favorite food is, the milkshake, right? So step number four is quality of life, peace of mind. How do we accomplish that? You gotta follow the steps in order. Time and range, lower your average, lower your standard deviation, increase quality of life. I hope that makes sense. Uh, again, if this is something that you want the deep dive into and not just a quick five to 10 minute lesson, go to fixmybloodsugars.com. It's a challenge that we're probably not gonna run for a lot longer. Uh, we're gonna take care of the people in there, of course, and then uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, sunset that because it's just been such a blast, but uh, we want to give you our full attention. So if you haven't yet, do go over to that website, check it out. Uh, I'll put the link in the description, but understand that problems are not the problem, right? Solving problems gives us an opportunity to grow and to make progress. These challenges are a good thing, but, you have to solve each problem consecutively with diabetes if you are going to see your blood sugars cooperate. So I hope that makes sense. I uh, hope that was helpful for you. Uh, I am 
certainly grateful that the cricket problem is solved, but I'm keeping an eye out for what the next problem is because I do not want to deal with bugs in my house ever again. And uh, I'm happy to be in a moment where it's not a thing. So uh, let me know in the comments if this is something that you found helpful or any questions you might have around the four steps to fixing your blood sugars. And again, go check out that link in the description uh, if you want some more info on how to do it for yourself. Have a great rest of your day and keep up the fight.